Hello, everybody. You are listening to the Attempt Adventure Podcast, a podcast about finding adventure every day and making your life a little more interesting. From Boulder, Colorado, I'm your host, James Barrett, joined as always by my co-host, Michael DeRosiers in Bangkok, Thailand. How's it going, James? You were sick this week. I was. Thought I might have the Rona, but I do not. So that's good. Nobody's been sick for two years. You know, I actually read a really interesting article in the Wall Street Journal the other day. My gosh, I sound like such an old man. I read a good article in the Wall Street, <laughs> in the journal, yeah, the immunity debt. And it was saying that because we've all been so cautious for these last two years, we've not developed antibodies to these common colds, common flus, common viruses that are going around. Mm-hmm. And that as soon as life returns to normal, we're going to be sick for like an entire year. We've accumulated an immunity debt. And so... We haven't been sick. I've been sick very, very infrequently recently, but as soon as life goes back to normal, we're going to get slapped in the face by pretty much everything. Yeah. And it was weird because I just like, I didn't feel sick. It was just more under the weather. Just like I wasn't, I was kind of groggy and tired, but that was really it. My coworkers, we've had a little COVID outbreak at work. And so I was like, ah, crap, (laughs) but I am all okay. Good. No, no COVID, no anything really. Some just blah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I get you. I get you. I've been there. Yeah. How have you been this week? I've been okay. The weather's gotten really nice in Bangkok. It's been down in the six, you know, high 60s, low 70s. Beautiful winter weather. You've been here in the winter. Yeah. You know how it is. It's great. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is. It is really nice. Yeah. It can get into the 50s and it has. Uh, not for very long, for a couple of days a year. You know, everyone will wear their jackets and stuff. And man, I was out you know, um, on an adventure, and I'll tell you about that in a minute. I was on an adventure yesterday, and it was like 75 degrees, maybe 80 degrees in the afternoon. And <laughs> at one point, we were buying a ticket from this lady, and you know, she was in her like beanie hat and a scarf. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, come on, lady, like, like that's overkill. Like, it's I know not it's not hot, cold. but it's not cold. Like, it's pleasant. It's beautiful outside. This is the same thing I would see in my students when I was uh, teaching at the high school. <laughs> the temperature would fall below 90 and they would suddenly bundle up in their jackets and their scarves and their earmuffs and their little mittens. <laughs> I don't think they were really cold. I think the part of that was that they had to wear a uniform every day and that was their only mm-hmm. time they could express their own like fashion sense was when it got a little so bit just, cold. Just hot. <laughs> it's like if you physically could tolerate a scarf you would wear it <laughs> yeah okay i get it i mean right now it is currently 27 degrees fahrenheit i don't know what that is in celsius that is below zero because obviously zero is 32 mm-hmm. as a transplant from the south how are you faring i mean my job is at a ski resort and so it's a lot colder up there every day right and so i've gotten kind of used to it i've, I've got appropriate clothing yeah and that's really all it is Obviously, I'm not as adapted as people that have lived here for a long time, but it's it's just one of those things where the cold doesn't... I've always liked the cold. Yeah. When it's cold, I, I'm like, you can wear a jacket and a beanie and you're, right. you're comfy. Yeah. I've always much preferred to be cold, but, you know, I've, I've got my own insulation. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Same. I don't, I don't get near as cold as maybe really skinny people. Right. Well... But... So, no, I'm doing pretty good. good. I'm enjoying it. We have a vehicle that's good for driving in bad winter weather, so that's good. 
You know, I have a, I have a kind of a dumb question that's been mm-hmm. that's been plaguing me, James. When you go to work, do you drive or do you take a ski lift? How do you get to your where <laughs> is drive. where is the um, ski resort? On what location of the mountain is it? Is it at the top? Is it at the middle? How does this work? It's at the bottom. It's at the bottom. Um, yeah, it's at the bottom. I drive through town for about five minutes, and then I go up. Um, go up through a canyon for. 4,000 vertical feet. <laughs> Would this be similar to the one that you and I stayed at in Vail? Now, that was summertime, but is it kind of like that? A lot smaller. Okay, okay. A but, lot, lot smaller. But like um, down in the valley kind of area. Yeah, yeah, it's it's at the bottom. So we have the two ski lodges that we have at the very bottom, where the lifts are. And so that's where I work. I don't have to, so I drive up there. And I don't, I don't have to take a lift or anything. That's too bad. <laughs> <laughs> I know, that'd be kind of cool. I mean, I guess I could, but I would just, um, there'd be no reason. <laughs> I don't really have any experiences with ski resorts. You know, my only experience at a ski resort was that time that you and I were traveling in Colorado when we stayed at that one mm-hmm. in, in Vail, and we ordered waffles from room service, and at the middle of the night, the fire alarms went off, and we had to evacuate, and we never got our waffles, and we've always secretly blamed ourselves for that. Yeah, I, I do blame myself for that. I do believe... It was our waffles that caused the kitchen fire. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know logically the time frames don't add up, but still, I blame myself a little bit. Because I know other people had gotten broom service that morning. Ours never and they arrived. got their breakfast. We never got our waffles. Yeah. Well, that was a terrifying moment. You know, you wake up in the middle of the night with a fire alarm blaring. You're very confused. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And then you have the other guy you're staying with ask if he has time to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Josh listens to the podcast. Hey, Josh. Does he? Yeah. Hey, Josh. He yeah. Shout out How's to it Josh. Going, buddy. <laughs> I remember that night very vividly. Sleeping good. But then all of a sudden you're woken up by a fire alarm and you leave your nice warm room to a like 30 degree night. <laughs> yeah. It was like June and it was 30 degrees. Colorado is so weird. <laughs> that was a fun trip i enjoyed Vale a lot so anyway buddy have you done anything new or adventurous this week unfortunately no i've been been a little sick so no so go ahead do your worst you had the funk you know what i'm gonna be forgiving you do get a penalty of course because that's how this game is played but it's gonna be a a gentle one i'm gonna relive one of our old monthly challenges you're Mm -hmm challenge this week is simply to have coffee outside perfect well james this week i had an adventure oh yeah my wife and i went out of town with a friend of ours on a day trip we went up to saratbury province so we went and we saw this temple this mountain temple we went to a fruit farm we went to a really amazing coffee shop and we went to a dam like at the Mm -hmm. government's um what was called the Energy Generation Authority of Thailand. They have a power plant where they had a bunch of windmills and a big dam where they generate water power, I guess hydroelectric. And they have a bike track that goes around the dam. And so we, we rented bikes and we rode around the dam. The air was clear. It was a bit cool. It was gorgeous out that way. And I'm going to share a few photographs with you, James. And these are the same ones I'm going to put on the website. Why don't we go ahead and get into the episode? We've got a really good episode today. My younger brother, Kyle, who's been a guest on the show, I think twice before, is back. He and I were just having a conversation about crazy forms of transportation that we've both been on. He's quite an adventurer as well, mostly in the Middle East and Europe. So 
here's our conversation about transportation all around the world, and I hope you enjoy it. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Kyle DeRosiers from Tel Aviv, Israel. Oh, what, what are you drinking? What have you got today? You, you instructed me to make a cuppa, but I didn't just make a cuppa, I made a French pressa. So I have some Arabic coffee from the old city of Jerusalem. It's mm-hmm. made with, I think it's cardamom. In Hebrew and in, in Arabic, I think they call it hayel. And um, I think it means cardamom, but you mm-hmm. know, like it has this distinctive smell, this aroma. Well, very good. I've got uh, Captain Morgan. Hmm. <laughs> I see that it's light outside still, <laughs> but that's okay. It's almost five o'clock somewhere, and that place is here. If it was five o'clock in Israel right now, it would be pitch dark, pitch mm. dark. It, the sun's going down at like 424. Isn't that horrible? Today, I am joined for the third time by my younger brother, Mr. Kyle DeRosiers, live from Tel Aviv, Israel. The city on the the city on the sea, right? Does it have a nickname? Is there you know how like a lot of cities have a nickname <laughs> like the Big Apple, or yeah, it has a couple of nicknames. Uh, well, first of all, thanks for welcoming me back. It's always so much fun to be a guest of your show. Well, Tel Aviv, they call it the well. I guess so. It comes from right. It comes from the vision of Theodor Herzl, the Alt Neuland the old new land mm-hmm. and so tell is like a built on top of a mound of ruins and aviv is like spring mm-hmm. so it's a hebrew version of like the german yiddish alt neuland so it's part of the the vision of, of of rebuilding the jewish society in israel and uh so they call it like alt neuland or there's a part of the city that's very historic that has all these pretty white houses with shutters and they call it the white city. They call it the nonstop city when they're trying to market to the tourists. Anyway, Kyle, I'm very glad that you're here. I'm very glad that you've joined me again today. Well, Kyle, today we're talking about transportation because when you're traveling, you're very likely not going to be driving around in your own car. Obviously, you can rent a car, but when you're on vacation, when you're on an adventure, you're often not going to have your own vehicle. And you might have to rely on public transportation. So today we're talking about interesting, unusual, um, different types of public transportation. Uh, You were running a few minutes late today because you were having to catch a bus. So let's talk about that first. Uh, Is that your kind of go-to? Is that the public transportation that you take the most? Or what what is the public transport that you take the most in Tel Aviv? Well, the bus is the only, uh, really, the only, I mean, there's a few other options, but it's, it's the primary mm, mode mm. of public transportation here. They're building a huge subway. They have huge scheme of it that they've developed with many lines. Uh, some of it's going to be light rail. Well, it may all be light rail. I don't really know. But some of it's above ground and some of it's below ground. It's going to occupy a whole lot of space. Uh, cool. Reaching a whole lot of, a whole lot of uh, the greater Tel Aviv area. 
And, well, it's probably not going to be done for a long time. They were supposed to have something done by 2020. Now they're supposed to have something done by 2022. Finally, though, you can see visible signs of the entrances to the underground stations in, in some parts of Tel Aviv. Nice. Uh, which is cool. You know, like when I first got to Bangkok, there were just three lines. And there was a subway that was shaped like a C. And there were two SkyTrain lines. And now those two SkyTrain lines reached like three different provinces. The subway has become an entire loop. There's also the purple line. There's the gold line. There's the red line. There's uh, a yellow line that's almost done. So w- suddenly, once they really put their minds to it, it just goes up fast. You know, I'm amazed at how fast the yeah. Bangkok public transportation has gone up. And I, I don't drive here. I'd much rather take the subway or even the bus. And so I rely on the public transportation all the time. Today, we are going to talk about public transportation. Now, I've chosen five that I've actually been on that I really like myself. I don't know how you've done it. If yes. you've chosen, you know, whatever. But we're going to talk about public transportation. And we're each going to talk about five that we are particularly interested in. Would you like to start us out today with your first? What kind of public transportation uh, are you going to talk about? Okay, well, let me just also tell you, I made two lists, actually three lists. The first list (laughs) is the list of the top five experiences, but I could just do two or three. The second list is the list of, I was thinking three or four really bad experiences with transportation. Okay. And the last list is the ones which I'm hoping to travel on. One of them is in Israel, so I think I can do it. But a couple of them are in Germany or Japan or, you know, so that's, that's what I'm thinking now. What list would you like to start us off with? I guess the best. We can do the best first. Then. Okay. The coolest transportation, I think, is always going to be the Klong boat and Bangkok. Oh, that's actually my number one. <laughs> well, great minds think alike. Yeah. There's just nothing like it. Think a lot about the story of how your colleague fell into the clong one time. And, and I Ooh. think of how it's so different from these, these, these public transport systems that you have in, in the center of Bangkok, in, in modern metropolises, uh, because you're stepping over a gap of water into this boat and you have to avoid getting splashed and you have to sit on the wooden bench through the canal. And, you know, it's special experience. And a funny one too, especially traveling with mom, and and she's she's a little bit worried she's going to get wet, and you know she it feels like a roller coaster a little right. bit. Uh, so I I do I do have a fond memory of the Klong oh, boats. Yeah, the Klong boats are super fun. They're these canal boats, old canal boats. They're stinky, they're smelly. You know the water is stinky and smelly, but they're very fast, and they cut they cut across the city, avoiding all the traffic. You know, um, yes, unfortunately, one time. To my great shame, my uh, management job, I accidentally lost an employee <laughs> in the waters of the yeah, canal. Where you were, where you were, you were in charge of showing new, by the way, new employees, new to the country, right? <laughs> she, she had arrived fewer than 12 hours before. She had arrived the night before, and I was taking her around, around town, and we had taken her to get her phone unlocked at this shopping mall, and it, it was going to be a couple hours, so I said, okay, well, let's take the Klong boat uh, up to the Golden Mount just to pass the time while we're waiting. I guess uh-huh. she was jet lagged because before the boat had even, well, we we went to the Golden Mount. It was great. And we were coming back and we were going to get back off just outside of the Jim Thompson house. And I guess she was jet lagged because before the boat was docked, before they told us to get off, she just stood up and stepped right off the side of the boat into the water. Oh. And there was a solid meter, maybe two 
of water. Like it was not time to get off. That was entirely on her, but she just went right under. (laughs) And she was under for quite a while. And I kind of leapt across to the other side. So um, I I am proud of myself for this because I felt like such an action hero. I was on, now I was on the dock. Now (laughs) the entire boat pulled back out because they didn't want to run over her. It was a while before she came back up from the, (laughs) from the water. You were were debating, were you debating diving in? (laughs) I I didn't want to dive in. I was like, like one of my, it's pretty, pretty dirty. (laughs) One of my greatest fears in life is brain eating amoebas. I was really (laughs) reticent. (laughs) I hope she went to her doctor afterwards. She's fine. She's totally fine. She's still alive today. And it's been uh, almost a decade. Glad to hear it. She's fine. Um, I almost did. I was like, what do I do? And then she kind of spluttered to the surface. (laughs) And now here's the thing to get off of the dock. There's it's probably two feet. Okay. And they, they have these big tires that are there kind of as floats. I was not strong enough to pull her up and she really wasn't helping to be fair. She was just kind of Uh laying there like a, sack of oh. potatoes um wow, i'm sure she was in shock too <laughs> probably so but i couldn't pull her up and so like four or five time in kind of ran up they pushed me out of the way they finally pulled her up this poor girl luckily her phone wasn't with her because she was getting it unlocked so it was still at the shopping mall but they just kind of like ushered her away to some little wooden huts off by, off by the canal and i'm there with this other girl who had also just arrived kate who uh, was a good friend and she and I were just kind of like staring at each other in shock. Like what just happened? What are we supposed to do? <laughs> and so they took her away to this little hut and everyone was so sweet and kind. Like all these people, like these little ladies that lived in this area kept trying to bring towels and clean clothes for her. Finally, they brought her this, um, what I can only describe as a moo <laughs> <laughs> And uh, so she had to put on this moo soaking wet and we had to go into the shopping mall and get her phone. And she, uh, I don't think ever forgave me for that day. <laughs> How embarrassing. Oh, I'm sure she never forgot it either. <laughs> I never fell in the Klong. I love the Klong boats. They are my favorite way. Not, not only the Klong boats, but just the, uh, the river bus, the river bus that goes up and down the river. Yeah. And downtown we did as well. that too. Mm-hmm. We did that too, but I guess that's a little bit more modern. So it's less, less of a, the, yeah, in a way, I, I, I do take that. And the fun thing about that in Bangkok, I think, is that it's a genuine form of transportation. It's not purely for tourism, like in some cities. It's just a convenient way to get around town. And yeah, there's tourists on it, but there's a ton of people that are just workers, guys from the Navy office going to work and mm-hmm. businessmen and soldiers and policemen and whatever, just, just a good mix of just genuine people. And it's convenient. So yeah, that's mine as well. So what what else have you got? What other stories? I'm sorry, I kind of monopolized that with my story about uh, she who I will not name for uh, legal reasons. <laughs> uh, well, no, I'm I'm glad you shared it, and I'm glad it can be preserved in this podcast because I always love hearing this story. Okay, so number two, maybe we can take turns. Mm-hmm. My my number two, I would say, is in Ankara, Turkey, which you know I was studying there when I was 17 on the the summer program. It's a very hilly place. It's a bit like Jerusalem in that mm-hmm. regard. They kind of remind me of each other. Lots of hills. It has a telepharic. It's like the the cable car in the sky on the rope. And because you can call it a gondola mm. or a cable car or I don't know what else, but like in Turkish and in French, 
you know, probably in Spanish, teleferique is like, I think, very specific to what it is. And I just don't think you have this word in English, but uh, I wish you did. Oh, cable um, car. I think I think people understand cable car. I think people know what the- cable car is also what you have in San Francisco on the ground. OK, well, then a gondola called a gondola. <laughs> You're uh, right about that. Okay, But a gondola is also what you have yeah. in Venice. <laughs> OK, well, well, so in Turkey, in, in Ankara, this teleferique, this gondola goes mm-hmm to the northern part of the city where it's really hilly. Other words, in the city they have underground subways, but here they have the cable car, the the gondola, and mm-hmm. it has maybe six or seven stops, maybe four or five. It's quite actually it's probably four or five. It's quite small because also it takes a lot of space and a lot of engineering to build the stations and the posts. And so I actually rode with my classmates a couple times just for fun. We really had nothing to do in that neighborhood. Uh, it was a very residential part of, of Ankara. After our class, we would just go and explore. And we didn't have that much to do. It was summer. And our only responsibility was the Turkish class. And we would go to the station at the cable car and you could ride it. And it doesn't stop. It's one of these things where it doesn't stop. So you get on when the doors are open and it just keeps going. Right, you, gotta, yep. you know, closes the doors and then it takes you to the next station and it's free. It's like the one transport that's free. And one day, uh, it was during Ramadan and they have Ramadan P-Day, the Ramadan mm. bread, which is like focaccia almost. Okay. And we like bought some ice cream and we bought some Ramadan bread. We made ice cream sandwiches. And my friends who are, we're like 17, we think it would be fun to take them onto the train, you know, even though you're not supposed to eat on the train, on the, on the, on the cable car. And uh, so we're eating our ice cream sandwiches in there. Unfortunately, we were joined by like some some grandmothers, some Turkish grandmothers. So we had to like hide our our ice cream sandwiches like behind our backs, you know, because we didn't want them to judge us. And that's really the extent of the story. But I, <laughs> I really thought that was a very cool form of, of municipal transportation. Yeah. I've never heard of a gondola as municipal transportation. I mean, I've I've taken them. You know, there's a gondola in Hong yeah. Kong that goes up to the Big Buddha. There's a gondola. There's one in Thailand. There's one gondola in Thailand that is in Hat Yai that goes from like one mountain peak to another where there's sort of a, a uh-huh. temple shrine area. But I've never heard of it as an actual sort of genuine form of municipal transportation. That's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Usually they're just more at like tourist sites at the places I've been. And what is your number two? My number two was actually in uh, Bagan in Myanmar. It's a an incredibly rural little town, but it's full of thousands of these tiny, tiny temples or shrines. Thousands. And, you know, you look out across this sort of muddy field, and as far as your eye can see, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of these little stone wow. temples. There's no real paved roads. There's no train the only way to get there is by by I guess you can take a bus, but we took the boat to get there. But when you're in the town, the most iconic and really the only way to get around is by horse cart, horse drawn really? carriage. Yeah, and it is just so much fun. So when we were there, uh, my now my wife, but my girlfriend at the time, my wife and I, we hired this man. His name was Mister Bobo, and he had a horse named Nanda, who was very sweet. Oh. And they took us around. Basically, you're just like, hey, show me the best places. You know, we didn't know what we wanted to see, but Mr. Bobo, he's a local. He knew the coolest places and he was able to take us around from, yeah. uh, you know, site to site for a full day. And it was a lot of fun. It's a little bit uncomfortable, but 
it genuinely <laughs> transports you back in time to be walking around these ancient temples. And then when you're done exploring, you go and you sit in the back of a, like a wooden horse-drawn carriage to go to the next station. I mean, there's no cars or anything like that. Uh, I mean, people had motorbikes, but there were no taxis. So maybe it feels a bit more like a pilgrimage, right? It really did. Yeah, that was, you know, who knows what it's like nowadays. Uh, that was several years ago. And I know that Myanmar has really developed in the last couple of years. Hmm. Anyway, at the time in this historical park, the horse carts were really the only way to get around. And it was a ton of fun. It was like the most fun I've ever had going from point A to point B. So, <laughs> so that was my second one is the horse carts of Bagan, Myanmar. Well, that's awesome. That's really awesome. Let's see. So, well, I, I definitely want to move on to the horrible experiences so I can get my, my, my moment to complain. What are, your, what are your worst transport experiences? I would say any metro I've ever been on in the United States. The New York metro is terrifying. <laughs> There's no railing. There's no railing. You could just fall right on the track if you want to. There's like I people urinating thing. on the side of the road, it's people gross. trying to like sell you stuff. It's horrible. <laughs> Okay, well, well, I can tell you two recent experiences that I had. Uh, one happened just recently. I have gone to Ramallah, which is in the West Bank, which I like. I didn't tell any anybody I was going because I didn't want them to worry. And I had never been there until I had gone. And I went with my friend, and she was from Germany. And mm-hmm. we had a very nice day. We went to a gallery and we went to a restaurant and a cafe called Sufi Cafe. We were trying to get back and it was getting dark. We were trying to figure out where the bus was. And actually our phones weren't working there either. We were in this bus station, which was kind of like an outside parking lot with like a tent sort of. And the bus never came. Mm. And we were trying to get back to Jerusalem and it was getting dark. We were starting to get a bit nervous because, you know, we hadn't, haven't been there before. And, uh, you know, we don't really know what to expect. And, of course, it's a very tense place. Mm-hmm. And we also don't want people to know that we're from Israel, right? Like, it's, it's, uh, it could be a dangerous or at least unpleasant. Maybe I'm exaggerating, but you could certainly have a very unpleasant encounters with people. Right. Um, very combative encounters. And, and uh, well, I didn't want to do that. We're like talking to some older women, trying to ask them, and they were like, "Yeah, the bus will be coming soon." And we speak to the the guy who's like working for the bus company, and he's like, "Yeah, like in ten minutes." And then we wait, and I buy a coffee, and he's like, "Yeah, okay, in ten minutes." And then we wait, and then we like talk to some lady, and she's like, uh, "She's like, oh, you know, I'm she's like from there," and she's like, "Oh, I'm so sorry." Like she's like talking to the guy, and he's like, "Yeah, ten more minutes," and it's been like an hour and a half. And then, like, this, like, group of teenage guys, like, comes up, and they're, like, trying to flirt with my German friend, and she's very uncomfortable, and I don't exactly know what to do, and we're trying to, like, avoid the situation, but we're just ready to go, and it's getting cold, and we're really hungry, but we don't want to buy food, and finally, after hours, the bus comes, and, and, and in the meantime, we had a really nice experience. We made... We made friends with these two Palestinian girls uh, who are like 20 something and they were talking to us and they both spoke really good English and they were like, you know, the only reason that the bus came is because you tourists are here. And like the guy at the bus station like called them and he and they were like, you know, if it was just us, the bus probably wouldn't have ever come. <laughs> and so the bus was like two or three hours late because the tourists are there. And wow. I was very, very thankful to, to get home. 
but that was my recent my recent experience right that's a, an amazing story that's a lot of fun i think one of the mottos of this podcast is that adventures begin when things go wrong and so i always ask our guests about when things go wrong and it's true right that's when the real stories come nobody wants to hear about your perfect day <laughs> it's not a fun story mm-hmm. that's, every that's story right. every story needs conflict that actually is really interesting because the next one on my favorite public transportation could be considered a negative as well and it is the okay. Tokyo Metro and the reason that uh-huh. it is um i love it because it's fantastic it's huge it goes everywhere it's exactly what you imagine when you think about the Tokyo Metro <laughs> if you go early in the morning, around 8 o'clock in the morning, there's these little guys with white gloves who ha- have to physically push you to get you on the train. Wow. <laughs> because it's such a crowded system. And so they pushed you? Did well, they, they really do. push you? They do, yeah. They they shove you. They cram you literally into the subway cars so that oh you fit uh, like sardines. <laughs> I can't imagine ever, ever feeling comfortable being that close to people in my life after no. after corona situation if you are in tokyo and you go around in the morning around you know eight o'clock in the morning around rush hour if you're in the station the train comes you can't be like oh i'll wait for the next one no you have no luxury to do so the attendants will come with their little white gloves and shove you until you fit <laughs> and you'll be there like a sardine with a thousand wow. other people zipping along but the but the Tokyo Metro itself is fantastic. It goes everywhere. It goes everywhere in Tokyo. Yeah. You need it to go. The problem is it is an incredibly Byzantine system. The ticketing system pretty much everywhere in Japan is pretty confusing the first time you try to use it. And once you get a once you once you get a hold of it, it does make sense. But the first time you try to use it, it can be very confusing. They give you these little rectangular slips of paper that count as tickets uh, with a hole punched in the, in one end. And if you make a mistake, you know, you have to try to go and adjust it. But I don't know. I had it on my list of favorites, but it could very easily be a negative as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I felt that way on the New York or the Chicago yeah. subways, which are both very dirty. And my imagination is the Japanese mm-hmm. one is at least a little bit cleaner. Oh, it's it's pristine. Maybe it gives you empathy for these animals who are like in these, you know, in these, these the roosters in the rooster house where they're turning them into meat, you know, maybe it will motivate you to be a vegetarian. I don't know. Do people turn roosters into meat? I've never heard of, <laughs> heard of roosters. Hens? Hens. They turn hens into meat? Well, okay. <laughs> Anyways, this isn't public transport because in Cyprus, they have like, have only had public transport for the past, like, I don't even know, five years. And I just got back from Cyprus for... The conference I was I was giving a paper at, it was my first time to go there, and they have public transport, but it's really like if in Israel it's okay, and in, in, in the West Bank it's really bad, and like in in Cyprus it's very very bad, and so that's a whole other story. But that's not what this is about. This is about the time when I was in Cyprus and I was staying with. This man called Yoris, who is an artist from Cyprus, a film producer, and he was involved with the festival. And so he was a friend of this woman who knew the person I was working with on my presentation. And so uh, I, he was very generous to let me stay in his house, which was very amazing. This beautiful, like modern house. Obviously, he was quite successful in his, his endeavors. And he had a brand new Lexus SUV. 
Um, and one day I told him, you know, I would, I would love to go to the mountains. I didn't ask him, by the way. I told him I wanted to go to mountains, and I just wanted his advice to help with the bus routes and how can I figure it out. And he was like, he was like, it's okay. You can borrow my car. You can draw me off at work. It's all right. And I was like, Ugh. you know, first of all, in Cyprus, they drive on the left. And I have literally never in my life done that until then. Second of all, it's a brand new Lexus SUV, which is the most expensive car I think I've ever driven in. And so I didn't really know what to say, but I was like, are you sure? Like, are you sure? You know, I, <laughs> but he was like, yeah, just do it. You're only here once. You know, you've got to make the most of it. And so for like 10 minutes before he went to work, he was like teaching me how to drive this car. And thank God it was um, an automatic transmission car. Mm -hmm. That would have added in a whole other layer. But um, he was teaching me to, you know, because I was driving on the, the left side of the road. Right. But the steering wheel is on the right. And I was doing it on these little country roads. And every time a car would come, I would like whoosh, veer to the side because it was so scary that a car would be coming at me from this other direction. That angle, right. And, I kept having close calls when we were practicing and I was like very close to just saying, let me hand him the towel. Like I, I was so embarrassed because I felt like he was worried. He, he made me feel like he was worried. Like the same way that, that dad made me feel that he was worried whenever I was practicing driving with him when I was 15. Um, but he was a lot less scarier than dad. He was, he was very gracious. Not that dad is scary, but you know, he was scared for his life. Dad was. So maybe that's why he was a bit grumpy with, with my driving. But anyways, <laughs> my friend Yoris was like, you're going to get the hang of it. It's fine. Just be careful. And then he's like, take me to work. I'm going to be late. Mm -hmm. So now I have his car and I was going to drive like 90 kilometers to Trodos, to the mountains in the center of Cyprus, to this village that I had read about. And so I am going on the highway. I Before I know it, I, I'm driving on the left. I enter onto the highway and well, you can imagine the highway is actually a bit easier than mm -hmm. like the two-lane traffic. More right? of a straight shot, like... right? Yeah. And so I begin to get comfortable going the speed limit. And it's not that bad. At a couple of intersections, I had some kind of spooky experiences because you have to go opposite. They had a lot of roundabouts. And you have to go the opposite direction that I'm used to. And to enter and to exit the highway, you have to do it on the opposite side. And when people were passing me, I was like very a little disoriented. Mm. But... I got the hang of it. Cool. But I didn't have a functioning SIM card. So I didn't have a functioning GPS. So I had an old school map. And I got to the village I was going to. I had granddad's old camera. I was taking pictures. And I wanted to do some hiking. So I was like, oh, this is an easy map. So I got back in the car after I ate something in the village. And I was trying to find this hiking trail in the mountains. Mm -hmm. And I was like... I just go, you know, it looks like I turn right here and then it'll be easy to find it. And so I'm like trying to figure it out on these winding country mountain roads. And it's very beautiful, like like uh, farms and vineyards and hills. And it's very green, you know, whitewashed buildings with red roofs, um, you know, old style hotels, things like this. And um, I don't find the trail. And then I look at the map and I don't even know where I am on the map. And I look at my cell phone and of course it doesn't work. But I do know that this isn't the hiking trail and 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 I try a few different turns and I don't find the hiking trail I try to turn back I don't find my way back I keep going I was like I'll, I'll just have to like rejoin the main road so I look and I think I find the sort of circular oh route gosh. that will take me back right and I have wasted a bunch of time by now and I don't even really have much time for my hiking 
because it took me so long just to get out to the village. So I kind of made a few pictures at the outlook and kind of gave up on my hike. But then I was like, okay, I have to get back to Yorgis. There'll be traffic during rush hour. I have to go back to Nicosia, uh, the capital, you know, where, where he's working. Right. And I'm like, okay, let me follow just the, the metal signs on the highway. And I find a sign after turning and turning and turning. I find a sign for Nicosia. And I say, okay, that's great. And then I'm headed toward Nicosia. And I realize, like, where he works, first of all, if I just follow the directions to the city, that's not going to take me to where he works. And then okay. all my planning for the day, I didn't plan, remember where he works, the location of his, his office, his studio for his film company. And I don't even have a way to call him or text him. I'm like, I'm like okay, I'll just get close to Nicosia and I'll go to the gas station and, and I need to fill up gas anyways and I'll use their Wi-Fi and I'll call him. But I didn't even know how to get to Nicosia. And I thought... The sign that said Nicosia would take me there. And it did, but it was like some long roundabout way. And it ended up taking me on this road that was like so narrow, only one car could go on it. And it was through all these hills, which were covered with burnt trees. Like there was a huge, terrible forest fire. And I couldn't turn around. There was nowhere to turn around. The road was too narrow. So I had to keep going. And I don't even know where I went. I, I made a just a, a journey, a pilgrimage through the country. And I was... I was like an hour and a half late by the time I finally made it to Nicosia, finally made it to a place with Wi-Fi, I contacted him and, and he was like, it's okay. Like I figured, and I was like, okay, let me, I'm going to get some gas in your car. I'll come to you. And so oh, I, no. he gives me his address. I put it into my GPS and my phone. And then I realized stupidly that I had the right street and the right number, but the wrong zip code or whatever. Right. So it took me to that place in a whole other part of town like near the border fence with the Turkish part of Cyprus. And I was like, oh gosh, and now I don't have Wi-Fi and I'm panicking. I'm even later. So I go into some bakery and I go in and I'm like, I have to park the car illegally because there's no parking spaces and it's entering rush hour and I'm still in the downtown area. Even right. though I should not be in the downtown area because he doesn't work there. But that's just where I follow the signs to. And I go to some bakery and I didn't even know a word of Greek. Well, they do speak very good English, though. And, and so I go up to, into the bakery, and I'm like, do you have Wi-Fi? I need your help. And this lady's like, no, we don't. I'm sorry. And I'm like, please, like, is there something you can do? And she's like, okay, just use my phone, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so I, I take her hotspot. I put the thing in my phone. I find the right address. And I buy something from her. I'm right. still really late. And finally, I'm almost there. And I keep missing my highway turn. So I had to make like three U-turns to find the right highway turn. Finally get back to my friend Yoris. I'm so exhausted. I don't even want to drive his car back to his house, which is five minutes away. So I, I, I say, I'm, I'm going to kiss the ground and you can just drive from now on. And uh, I'm so sorry. And thank God I didn't crash your car. So that was my, that was my, my, latest, my latest debacle in a car that was way too fancy for me. Uh, and I don't even know if it was legal, to be honest with you. But that shows you another another instance of Cypriot hospitality and generosity. Well, that's what happened, and that was my day, and I didn't even get my hike. <laughs> oh my gosh, what a disaster. What an absolute disaster. <laughs> oh, I felt like so, so stressed. Yeah, I've been living in a left-hand driving country for almost a decade, and I have had a driver's license, and I have never sat behind the wheel mm -hmm. of a car. Ever? <laughs> Never. Not once. I've had a driver's license. Not even license. to get your 
<laughs> no, no, I didn't. I you know what I've literally never taken a driver's test in my life because for my American driver's license, mom and dad signed off and I just got it. And oh, for my Thai driver's license, I used my American <laughs> driver's license that said I already knew how to drive. However, I'm a very good driver. I'm the only person in, my, in our family who's never had a ticket. So that might be because I spend like 10 months of the year not driving. <laughs> I only drive when I'm home. Yes. <laughs> Regardless. Um, but no, I do not drive here. I'm not brave enough. It's confusing. Uh-huh. I still get a bit car sick if I sit on the uh, the right-hand side in a passenger seat. <laughs> no, I hear you. Well, look, you know, Thailand has like what? Like 50 million people? How many? Do you know? Let's see. Cyprus has 300,000 in the whole country. Right. So it's a little bit different. And uh, a little bit more forgiving than Bangkok would be, I think. Yeah, Bangkok you has know, 10, million, of... 10 million just in Bangkok. Yeah. So I, Cyprus is uh, not, as, not as scary. Right. And it was still pretty darn scary. Man, well, my next one is a really pleasant experience where almost nothing could go wrong. Uh, famous last words. Yeah, it's the Hong Kong Star Ferry. It's part of their public transportation. If you have a Hong Kong Octopus card, you can just, you know, use the ferry just like you would use a metro. It's this old ferry that goes back to the like the 1890s. It's very cool. It crosses Victoria Harbor. There's actually a subway that goes under it really fast, but they keep the boats running just kind of for charm and, and atmosphere. Old wooden boats, and they're kind of slow, and they just chug lazily across Victoria Harbor from Kowloon to Hong Kong Island. Every time I'm in Hong Kong, I have to ride them multiple times. I pretty much refuse to take the subway, the MTR, because why would I? If you've got this fun boat, it gives you the best views of both Kowloon and the Hong Kong Island. It's just so much fun. And it's a vital part of their current public transportation network. I mean, maybe it's a bit outdated. Maybe it's a bit old-fashioned. But, you know, that's kind of the characteristic charm of hong kong as a city well i would love to ride on that someday i love boats it is not scary it is not stressful it's not nearly as terrifying as driving on the wrong side of the road it is just the most relaxed and chill ride you'll ever take and you kind of feel sad when it's over well oh that reminds me and and now i think we're kind of blurring the list between fun and crazy and scary and and stressful but you know like I'm happy for all of these experiences. Right. Like, as long as nobody gets hurt, you know, it's part of why you travel, how you remember, how you form bonds with people who are from the places, and how you form bonds with people with whom you're traveling, um, even when things go wrong. One thing I remember, I was just thinking about it, it's also Thailand. Ah. Um, one of the kind of really scary, fun transports is when you and mom and I have gone to the the elephant mm. uh, preserve, the park right. in uh, near Chiang Mai. That was such a fun experience. Well, what what stood out to me? Uh, of course, it really was lovely when we walked with the elephants. We got to feed them as as we journeyed through the jungle. It was crazy, a whole other world. But I also distinctly remember when we sat in the back of the truck and we were in like the hills, the slopes, the mountains, uh, foothills of Chiang Mai. And it's like, I don't know if it's a song towel is the word for it, but it was the bed of this truck. And I think it was all of us tourists. It was our guide, maybe like a couple of dogs. I don't know. But we were like in the bed of a truck. Yeah. With no seatbelts, no seats. It was a song towel. Yeah. 
Songtao bouncing down the mountain. I remember this distinctively. <laughs> After this beautiful day, we were dirty, wet, happy, but this 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 truck was just so bouncy. And I I knew we were on the edge of a mountain on this road, mm. and you could you could look out the side and you could see the the the, the valleys with the the the, the trees in, in in rows, you know. Right, and, right, right. And I was like, we could just go flying out of this thing, and 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 you know. I just distinctively remember that truck ride, just just the bouncing and I and and just worrying that mom was gonna like pop out of the <laughs> the truck or something, and I was holding on to the little post. And I guess maybe you got used to that sort of thing, but that was a very that was a very memorable. I've moment. been on scary moments like that, like one time. In fact, <laughs> nowadays I think that there's a gondola in in Myanmar all the way up from uh, Kinpun Base Camp to Mount Chaktio, where the Golden Rock is. But the day that I went there was the oh, only yeah. time that I've been on public transportation where I thought that there was at least a 50% chance or greater that I was not going to make it. <laughs> um, <laughs> we were on this truck. It was kind of like a song towel, but it wasn't covered. It was just we were in the back of this uh-huh. big pickup truck kind of chugging slowly up this mountain. But it was rainy and it was misty, and you couldn't see more than genuinely five feet in front of your face. And I was like, we're just going to go flying off the mountain. We are going to drive off the mountain, and that's it. And it took us so long to get to the top because we were going so slow. And we had to keep pulling over and allowing the uh, the trucks going down to kind of inch their way past us. We got to the top. We could barely even see the golden rock. We saw no views. It was just too foggy and misty. Uh, just had like a oh, beer and went to bed. Risking your life for nothing. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Um, that's not one of mine. That is not on my list. <laughs> tell us about this. One I really think you should tell us about is when you were on the bus that flooded. Oh, that That's was crazy in, to me. Yeah, that was in Myanmar as well. That was actually on the same trip. That was going from Yangon <laughs> to Kinpun Base Camp. We just started out. We had to trudge through the water to get to the bus. You know, the but the water was in, up to our feet, and the bus just took off, and it just started going, and it was <sighs> like nobody cared. <laughs> You know what? And there were points where we would go down kind of a dip and the water would come up much higher, like up to our ankles. And, you know, when you're on a bus, you're already, you know, like three feet off the ground, right? So the water was quite deep at this point. I was like, man, all of our luggage is going to be destroyed. It's going to be terrible. But it was fine. Everything ended up being fine. When I think back on that, that entire Myanmar adventure was one disaster after another. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you were there during monsoon season, right? So it was just all wet. (laughs) You're right. I had had forgotten about that one. (laughs) You're right. I love the video of that. I remember it. You and Pinky and you're just watching the the waters climb up the stairs inside of the bus. It's like you can't do anything Uh, at that point, you know? (laughs) Yeah. You're a captive audience. You really are. I have one more, and then we have to say our list of to-do, okay? Let me say one more, uh, if that's all right. Another complaint, but also, uh, what's the opposite of complaint? Uh, commendation? No. Compliment? Well, I would like an accolade. to end. An accolade. I would like to bestow an accolade upon the public transport system of Berlin, which is where I was, you know, did, was studying during college. Because it's so nice. They have on the weekends a subway that goes 24 hours a day, which is phenomenal, especially when you consider that it's like an ancient system and they like somehow mush together the east and the western lines. And it's a little slow, but like it goes everywhere and you can use it like all night long. 
you know, on holidays and weekends, which is really phenomenal. Um, and it's always on time. And uh, in Israel, we kind of laugh because the buses are not on time. But my, my, my teacher in my Hebrew school, he's always like making fun of the Germans for their like squareness. And he's like, yeah, in Germany, you have like signs at the bus station telling you how many seconds until the bus. And like in Israel, we're lucky if like it arrives like within like the hour that it's supposed to arrive. I remember one time in Germany, I had the most disastrous experience getting home because it was like a Wednesday. So it wasn't the weekend. And I had gone out like to a bar with the ones I was working with. Our boss was like, she was like very proud of the work we had done on a, on a project. Right. on the internship and she was like she was like i'll take you guys out and 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 uh we'll celebrate and so i went with them and like the last train was going at like eleven thirty or something and i was only late by 20 minutes and so i was like how do i get home and i saw that i could take like four buses to get home because i was staying with the host family like way out in the boonies uh <laughs> in like the northern western part right. of the berlin like where the lakes are. And I saw I had to take like four buses and it would take me like three hours, but I didn't know what else to do. I couldn't sleep on the street in the middle of, you know, the winter in, in Berlin or any time really, but especially not the winter. And I certainly didn't want to stand at bus stations in the middle of the winter, but what could I do? So I had my huge trench coat and, and I waited for my bus, like, like, you know, like Bernie on, on election on, on the inauguration day, I guess, you know, the meme. And <laughs> That's how I sat. I really did. Yeah. And I got on the first bus. I got on the second bus. I had to wait like 20 minutes between each bus. I got on the second bus. It was a big old double-decker bus. But the bus was so full. And the bus driver, like a good German, was following the rules. Mm -hmm. and, and she was like, this bus has too many people. I'm not driving until some of you get off. Mm. And who's going to get off the bus? It's like, at this point, it's after midnight. People just want to go home. Yeah. And who's going to get off the bus? You know, if some people are allowed to stay and some people are allowed to go, nobody's going to make that self-sacrifice. And so she's like yelling at people like, until like a certain number of you get off, we're not going anywhere. And I'm like, well, this is ridiculous. Like, who's going to leave? I'm not going to leave. Like, I'm just one person. Like, I'm not going to go anywhere. You know, so nobody goes anywhere. And we're there for like, I swear, like 20 minutes and I give up. And I'm like, okay, I'll take another bus. I wait for it. I find another bus. It takes me to another station. But by the time I get there, I miss the connection I plan to take. And I see the bus. And I'm like, oh, that's the bus. And so I'm running after it to no avail. And it's like 2 a.m. at this point. And I have class the next day. And then I see that like the next bus won't be for like 45 minutes. And oh my gosh. I don't know what to do. I don't even have money for a taxi, to be quite honest with you. And so I like call mom. And I'm like, mom, can you, can you send me money for a taxi? Like it's the middle of the night. And she was worried. She was worried. She's like, what are you doing? Like, are you okay? And I was like, it's fine. I just missed the bus. And so finally I get a taxi, waste too much money and go to bed. And it took me like three or four hours to get home. It was like, it was like 25 kilometers. Right. And I was like, I could drive that in like 20 minutes. You know, if, if I had the Texas highway system, I used to drive like, half that distance just to go to high school. Well, you know what? I've, I'm proud that I've lived abroad for nine years and I've never had to call mom in the middle of the night for transportation help. Uh, <laughs> I, I will say, though, I was, I was a kid. Like I said, good adventures start when things go wrong. I've just got one more that I'm going to share with you. Yeah, let's hear it. This one is a pictographic. So I'm going to need you to open Messenger because I'm going to share you two pictures. Okay. And I just want to get your reaction on. to what you see. 
Okay, so it's like a little how do you a gazebo <laughs> on telephone wires. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Over a river. Yeah, this is at Bangkok Inn, the summer palace just south of Ayutthaya, kind of between Bangkok and Ayutthaya, the King's Summer Palace. And when you visit there, you got to get over to the palace itself. And there's this really cool temple. It's actually in the Gothic style. It looks exactly like a Catholic church or an Anglican church. I've seen, you showed me, I remember you showed us the pictures. Complete with stained glass and everything. So if you want to get over to this little temple, you've got to take this very rickety, swinging platform that's suspended over this river i'm looking at the picture and it's really beautiful blue skies i can see the the spire i think of the temple it looks a little bit like a church and some pretty some pretty white buildings with red roofs a very beautiful station and if if it wasn't like hanging over the river the little gazebo thing would be very beautiful and and cozy and yeah it's just on the on the wire it just looks so fragile (laughs) (laughs) but you know you were like well okay we're 10 feet over the water we're probably going to be fine yeah so that's mine just because it was such a kind of odd way to get across the river instead of building a bridge or anything like that you had this tiny like just like a little boat yeah yeah, or a boat (laughs) or something like that you had this tiny little like gondola (laughs) (laughs) i will just conclude by saying that it reminds me of something i saw in jerusalem well, until the late 60s, Jordan occupied or controlled the West Bank and, and part of Jerusalem. And the, the, there was a war with Jordan and Israel. And they had this little box. It still exists over one of the hills between like the part that was controlled by Jordan and the part that was controlled by Israel, who were his enemies uh, and who would exchange you know casualties from time to time, which is very sad, um, and who were at war. There was like this little metal box on like a telephone wire type thing. And like the soldiers used to sit in it and like go across and like it still hangs there. You know, and so when we were touring the city, they showed us and I was like, I can't imagine like you're really high up and you're just sitting in like a a, like a a carton, like in the grocery store, you know, like and and you're just going. And it reminds me of that now that now that I think of it. And but what you have looks a little bit little bit less scary. <laughs> well, ours was not so high up. You would not have gotten that injured if it fell. And I don't think the river was probably all that deep at that point either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very cool. So I've got a tiny trivia quiz for you. Do you know what is the world's longest metro system? Oh, wow. I feel like I've heard this before. It's not the London Underground, is it? No, it's not. That was one of the first, but that's not the longest. I would say you can probably guess this within five guesses. Okay, Tokyo. No. Beijing. Seoul. Seoul. Yes, it is Seoul. And it is 940 kilometers. That's that's pretty cool. Okay, that's pretty easy. I guarantee you, you are not going to get this one, even if I give you a million guesses. <laughs> Let's hear it. What is the world's shortest metro line? Uh-huh. Well, there is, okay, there is between, like, Times Square and, like, I don't know what, like, one of the avenues in New York, this tiny little connecting line. Do you know about that? I think we've been on it together. Uh, but I guess that's not it. <laughs> we might have. Um, that's not it. Well... I guess it kind of depends on how you define it. 
My other guess is that I know in Fort Worth, I think it was like, was was there a department store called Woolworth or, or something like this? There was. There was the little subway that would go from the parking lot to the department store. Do you know about this? Yeah, exactly. They were the world's like only private metro line. They would go one station That's cool. from the parking lot to the to Woolworths. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. It wow. closed I think in like 2000 in the early 2000s. But it was wow. open since wow. the 1960s and it was a really nice convenience for the shoppers and it was I I believe it was free. It was paid for by the by the store itself. You're cool. right. Um it was a metro. It was underground. I think it was just one station. But that is not the answer. That is a phenomenal answer. That is an astounding answer. But that's not the right answer. <laughs> Let's hear it then. To be fair, this is kind of cheating. Because the article I found says this. The world's shortest metro line is in Russia. It has just one station. <laughs> so this, this article is about the Omsk Metro. The okay. Omsk Metro has its own logo, its own map. It issues its own travel tokens, but it has just one station. Here is the story of how this notorious unfinished construction project turned into a popular meme in Russia. So walking through the center of Omsk in Siberia, you can see a metro entrance with a huge letter M written on it. People quickly shuffle in and out, hurrying about their own business. The only problem is that there is not actually a metro here. It is just an underpass to the other side of the road. So the story here... Huh is that uh, back in the 1980s, the Soviet Union decreed every city with more than a million people must have a metro. That is easier said than done. So they built one station and then completely abandoned it. And so there is one station that now is just an underpass under the bridge. However, they still (laughs) have their own travel tokens. They have their own logo. They have their own map. But they're just one station in Omsk, Siberia. It is such a weird uh, anomaly of public planning. But there you go. So I don't know if you could actually consider that the world's shortest public transportation. You're, you're right about that one in Fort Worth. I'm really impressed that you knew about that. But this article says the world's shortest metro line is in Omsk. And it's just an underpass. <laughs> there's no, there's no train, there's no train cars, no, right? <laughs> there's no train cars. There's no rail lines. Nothing else. <laughs> I hope they get it one day. How about that? Oh, yeah. It's been 40 (laughs) years. We'll see how it goes. (laughs) Anyway, I just thought that was very funny. I thought you would get a kick out of that. The article does take a more positive spin. It says, while the city authorities are contemplating what to do with this unfinished project, local residents have turned the metro into a creative space. Young artists and designers now use this metro underpass as a location for conceptual installations on the burning issues of the day. A whole community calling itself Project M has sprung up with the purpose of looking for new ideas for exhibitions in the metro. Thus, in autumn 2020, a sculpture of a large bolt on a floor plaque appeared here, featuring the metro's logo and the inscription, Thank you for burying 13 million rubles in the ground, 1992 (laughs) to present? Wow. It raises questions about the, is it called ontology? The ontology of what is a metro? Who is actually buying these metro tokens? If it doesn't go anywhere, if you were to go all them? the way to Siberia, if you were to go all the way over there, I mean, I think you would do that. You're the kind of person who would do that, Michael. You're the kind of person who would pay for a passport stamp in the Vatican or wherever it is that you could get a free stamp. Oh, I I probably would. Let's be honest. I probably would. I'm going to go to Omsk. I'm going to ride their one station metro. (laughs) 
we got to uh, make our list, and I don't want to make this too long, so maybe we'll try to keep it short. Go ahead. Okay, so I'll just tell you, and we can go into detail later. So my list are, of course, the number one. The top of the list is a Wuppertal Schwingbahn. Right. The one that, like, hangs there like it's a little caterpillar on a leaf. That's in Wuppertal, Germany, right? That is kind of an, the opposite or the inverse of a monorail. Yes, and it, it swings. It hangs there. Yeah. And I have always wanted to ride it because it's just so strange. And it seems so unnecessary, but so right. cool. Yeah. Let's see. I also really want to go to a place in Haifa. Um, and, you know, Haifa is a city in northern Israel. It's a, What do you call that thing that's like a train that climbs stairs? A funicular? Okay, so, so there's a Haifa funicular called the Carmelite. And it's been open since 1959. So it's super old-fashioned. I don't think the trains or the stations have been updated. Um, and it has six stations. Um, it makes a loop. And it was built at a time when people lived much closer to the downtown area where they worked. You have to look it up because the stations are like stairs. And then you get on from, from one of them because it's like a stair. You know, the, this train is like a stair. Am I, how do you describe that? You know how a funicular works. Yeah, a funicular goes up a diagonal direction, right? It goes up via cogs rather than cables anyways i really want to ride it and actually it's the only underground transit system in israel until 2022 when the tel aviv light rail is going to open so even jerusalem doesn't have its own metro line or anything like that yet no they have a streetcar okay. but it's not underground that that's the distinction they the tel aviv is going to have an underground system but but jerusalem has a really nice streetcar Okay, and then the third thing I really want to do is a cross-country road trip. I know you and I have talked about the Starlight Express from, I don't know, Seattle to, to Los Angeles or whatever it is, or San Fran to Los Angeles, and I really want to do that. I want to pay the money and get the sleeper car, even though it's a ridiculous amount of money to pay for something that you could fly for much cheaper and much faster, but it seems like such a cool experience. So those are my three to do i think i can do the haifa one the other ones will have to wait and you know i really do i really do want to make it over to to tokyo yeah that's that's quite high on my list not really for the subway um though it will be interesting to experience that myself because i guess that's a pretty famous part of tokyo you cannot say that you've been to tokyo if you have not been shoved into the metro by an old man in white gloves at eight o'clock in the morning kyle Thank you for coming on the show today, and you're welcome back anytime. Excellent, bro. It is so much fun to always talk to you, and I look forward to our next time. And uh, I will continue to be a loyal friend of the pod. Well, thank you again. Now back to the show. You told my favorite story. The, the girl yeah. in the clong. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. It, it's funny because in, in the interview, you're, you, you've told that story so many times. Yeah. And I think you're sort of desensitized to it. And you yeah. thought it was kind of funny in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was funny listening to Kyle because he's like, did you, did you, were you going to dive in? And I was like, he was never going to jump in. <laughs> <Ever>. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha
yeah, that is my favorite story because it's it's so funny every time. And if you've been there, you can picture exactly yeah. where it happened and what happened. And the fact that she still like hates you to this day is amazing. She's never spoken to me since. And, like it's your <laughs> fault. Like she was jet lagged. She just stepped into the water. I mean, Splunk. <laughs> I mean, I understand, and I've been jet lagged. It sucks. Once you get going, which sort of brings yeah. me into transportation. Yeah. My first real experience with Thai transportation was those buses. I mean, I don't count the taxi because a taxi is a taxi. Right. It's just a car. And so my first one was that morning when we got on the bus. And these are not the buses of the West. It's <laughs> <laughs> like a hole in the floor. The floor is made there, of wood for some there, reason. It was wood. And I'm pretty sure there was a hole in the floor. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and But it was great. It was a great experience, but I have never, where we grew up, there is no public transportation. Right. It does not exist. No, it doesn't. Our hometown was the largest city in the country with no form of public transportation. Yeah. Almost half a million people and not even a bus. Not even a bus. All right, James. Well, it's time for our favorite segment, Adventures in the News. This week, it's my turn, and I've got one for you. You like cocktails, right? I do. What's your favorite cocktail? A cocktail has to be three ingredients, right? For the sake of this podcast, you can say Cuba Libre or something. (laughs) (laughs) Although, does Cuba Libre have like a cherry in it? It's not just rum and coke. No, it's it's rum, coke, and lime. So it is three ingredients. Right. Okay. That's a cocktail. That's got three. Um, My favorite cocktail, I would have to go with, that's a hard one. Manhattans are good and things like that. Yeah, but typically, if I'm drinking hard liquor at all, which is very, very rarely, um, mm-hmm. I'm typically just putting two things together. <laughs> I love Jaeger so much. Uh, yeah, I do, too. I do, it's too, so but good. I don't mix it. I usually just sip it. See, I mean, I'll do that, but also like a Jaeger and Dr. Pepper tastes like root beer. Ooh, that sounds great. I've never thought to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a friend called the Commodore, and he has a cocktail called Yoda juice. Have you ever had his Yoda juice? Many times. <laughs> <laughs> it actually glows. It does. And it is. Okay. That might be my favorite. <laughs> the Commodore's Yoda juice. <laughs> well, James, there's a cocktail that I'm certain that you haven't had called the mm-hmm. Yukon Sour Toe. And drinking it is an adventure. The reason being is that one of the ingredients is a mummified Human toe. The history of the sour toe cocktail, a shot of whiskey garnished with a human toe. Though by definition, I guess it's not technically a cocktail because it's just uh, Yukon Jack whiskey with a mummified toe in it. Well, James, here's the story. The Yukon gets real cold. In the 1920s, this rum runner named Louis got frostbite. His foot was frozen solid. And in order to prevent gangrene, they had to chop off his toe with an axe. He placed the toe in a jar of alcohol to commemorate the event. Uh, and then he came up with the idea of this Sour Toe Cocktail Club, an exclusive club with one membership requirement. You have to drink the legendary Sour Toe Cocktail. There's only one rule, and it's this. It's a little poem. You can drink it fast. You can drink it slow. But your lips must touch that gnarly toe. <laughs> so apparently the health board actually inspects it because it is mummified and because mm-hmm. it's uh, soaked in alcohol. And I think they keep it on salt 
other times it's actually safe. There's no bacteria. You're not going to get some horrible disease from drinking this, but it's still very gross. In 2013, a guy accidentally swallowed it and was run out of town. He was <laughs> run out of Dawson City. Did they use a back? No, they didn't, but they accepted donations and they were able to get another they were able to get a couple of replacements. So they apparently they, they have changed the toe a couple times through history. I mean, that makes sense. Uh, but people travel all the way to Dawson City to this hotel just to try the Sour Toe Cocktail, to join this exclusive club. I'm going to tell you right now, James, I wouldn't do it. Would you? You wouldn't? Would you, would I you probably would. I don't know. Would you really? You would drink the I Sour Toe so. Cocktail. Your lip has to touch it. You can't just like sip around it. It has to like touch your lip. But I think it's the idea of like being part of a very exclusive club. That appeals to me. Like right now, I would be like, oh, yeah, I'd do that. But I think if I got there, I might not. Yeah. Well, I do like being a member of a club. You know, you and I were still waiting on our invitation letters for the Adventurers Club in L.A. Yeah. I don't think it's going to happen. My, um, I had a college professor that was invited to the um, Explorers Club. You got to be real good to be in. Like the Adventurers Club is more our speed. It's, it's not like scientific discovery. No, the Explorers Club are like... We unearthed the remains of a new type of mammoth. And the Adventurers Club is like, I was chased by cannibals in Haiti. <laughs> <laughs> the Adventurers Club are the Shriners to the Explorers Club's masons. They're the ones that drive around in funny hats and, and, and little fun cars. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, with, as the sour toe goes, the fact that I know it's like perfectly safe and it's probably all dry. Like, yes. Like, I mean, it would be different if it was like... Like a fresh toe or like, you have to drink this off this guy's foot. For some reason, like, that's worse to me. Yeah, if they were like, we, we here's our bartender Jimbo and we pour the whiskey down his foot and you got to drink it. And I'm like, see, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> I mean, like, I guess you're right. The fact that it's sort of like certified by the health board makes it a bit yeah, better. Yeah, if, if, the, if the health board, and this is uh, up in the Yukon in Canada, I mean, I think they take their stuff pretty seriously. But it is the Yukon. I know nothing about the Yukon Territory. If someone from the Yukon Territory wants to enlighten us, please do, because I only know it from, like, jokes. <laughs> Calvin and Hobbes. Yukon Ho. Yeah. Yukon Ho. <laughs> oh, that's gosh. a good Anyway, one. well, that's my story for today. It's kind of more of a weird news, but it's not even news. It's just an interesting story. Well, James, maybe next time I'm in the States, you and I can take a trip up to Dawson City. and <laughs> Let's take a trip to the Yukon. <laughs> Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you, as always, for listening to our ridiculous show <laughs> this week. You can find us on our website, AttemptAdventure.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at AttemptAdventure. And as we're getting close to the end of Season 1, we're going to be talking about how to manage those social media sites a little better in Season 2. Yeah, we apologize for the, I guess, lack of... <laughs> I wish we had a social media manager. Yeah, we don't. It's me, and that's not a great plan. Uh, as always, you can email us, hello at attemptadventure.com. You can always go to our website, attemptadventure.com, click on the Contact Us button. Whether you have a story you'd like to share, an adventure you'd like to share, or if you'd like to be a guest on the show, get in touch. We'd love to hear from mm -hmm, you. Definitely. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen. Keep adventuring. Keep adventuring.